picture in this place. It's so good to see your faces right on time to turn the lights on. I want to see faces. It's been so long, and, I, and you do too. I don't want to rush through this. Um, I'm grateful to be at the house of God, grateful to be able, thank you, to worship um, once again in person. And uh, I know we're still, I'm respecting the distance, I'm respecting the distance. Um, but I want you to just stand with me for a moment, just stand with me for a moment. And all our visitors, we welcome you. We're so grateful that you're here to worship with us uh, again for being a, a part of the early adopter group. Uh, we are grateful that you've come and uh, you've come to worship with us. I'm Wayne Chaney, I'm Pastor Antioch Church here in Long Beach. And, and this is, to me, to me now, it's, it's the best church on the planet. It's the best church on the planet. I'm not, I'm not church banging, but I'm telling you right now, I love this place. Um, God, is, God is real, His presence uh, is here, not only in, in our midst, but in the life of the people. It's one of, one of the greatest group of people you'll ever meet uh, in your life. So I want you to feel at home. I want you to feel welcome. I want you to be comfortable. I mean, my grandmother's going to kill me. I wore a sweatsuit two days in a row, two Sundays in a row. Last week, it was because I had an illustration. I didn't want to get that low down and split my skinny jeans. Um, to, this week, we're going to jump on a flight right after uh, the second service, so I had to be comfortable. It was a long flight. And um, so uh, to all my mothers, to my grandmother who will be at the next service, please forgive your, your boy. Uh, forgive me. But we're grateful that you're here, um, and we want you to make yourself feel at home. Now, don't, don't, don't touch anybody, don't, don't go to anyone, don't, don't hug anyone, uh, because you'll make them uncomfortable. You'll make me uncomfortable, all right? But I want you just to, to feel this, this, this space, because, I mean, if you're going to just sit there and listen to a message, you could have streamed this, right? We, we came to, to fellowship. We came to, to see some faces we haven't seen in a while, to... You know, so, so if, you're, if you're vaccinated or have a mask on, if you want to elbow somebody, just give them a little room. Just, just elbow them. Or if not, if you're like, hey, I'm not ready for that yet, I'm easing back into this, just turn around, look at somebody, give them a nod, give them a head nod, or what's up, or a wink or something. Give, let them know that you're in this place. So good seeing y'all. So grateful to see you. So good to see you, so good to be, to be with you. We're going to talk about this in weeks to come, and I don't want to do a message before the message, but there's something about being with, being with, being with you. Ne never take for granted the withness of the people of God. Withness is important, with you. In fact, the heartbeat of our faith is, it's a with faith. Theologians, it's a, it's a, um, it's an incarnational faith. It is, it is, it is not a God who sits in heaven and looks down on his, his peasants on earth. The Bible says that the word became flesh and, and came down as we were. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Word, another translation is, became flesh and dwelt with us. There's something about withness that can't happen remotely. And it was a model for all of us in this place to, to ensure we're not only inspired personally and grow closer to God, but we have to go closer to God and to one another. There is something about the withness. Forsake not the fellowship of yourselves one with another because I'm telling you, there's nothing like looking across the aisle or down your row finding someone who is right where you are, you haven't seen in a while, or who lifted you out of your last challenge or you prayed for and just knowing that they're there in person. It's like getting together for the holidays. And so I want you, if you would, be incarnational one more time. Look at a few people, tell them it's so good to be with you. It's so good to be with, with you. It's so good to be with you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, we praise you, we glorify you. We declare that there is no one like you, no one besides you anywhere. Now we pray that you arrest our thoughts, 
Give us in-depth insight into your word, in-depth insight into your ways that we'll know how to proceed. Your word is a lamp to our feet, a light to our pathway. So we ask for your guidance once again. We don't need to see it all. We trust you enough. We rest in you. So we need enough for the next step, enough for the next decision, enough for the next direction, knowing that you're ultimately in charge, in control, and love us. And so if that's the case, if you be for us, who can be against us? No enemy, no hater, no circumstance can stand opposed to your people. So I pray now that you be glorified in us as you teach us to rest. And it's in Jesus' name, all those who agree with the prayer, say amen. All right, don't take your seats yet. Grab your Bibles, your devices, something to write. Don't grab something to write with or type on yet, but just grab your devices um, or your Bibles as we go into the Word. Meet me in Luke 4, Luke, the fourth chapter. Um, and somebody, if you can, hit that timer for me. I ran track. I have a lot of wind. I get long-winded if I don't know the time. Luke 4. When you get there, say, I'm there. Luke 4. And it reads, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, if you are the Son of God, if you are the Son of God, Tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all of their authority and splendor. It's been given to me and I can give it to whoever I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, it is written, <clears throat> worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem. And had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. That you will not, they'll take you up in their hands so that you will not dash your foot against the stone. Jesus answered, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him into a more opportune time. Now the problem with your Bibles is that they put subtitles, but in the original text there were no subtitles or titles. It read as a continuous thought. So I want you to continue, if you would, into verse number 14. It says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit and was led about, or excuse me, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. Right before you take your seats, look at about three people and tell them, stay in the chair. Yeah, stay in the chair. Yeah, stay in the chair. <clears throat> if you weren't here last week, you have no idea what we're talking about and think I'm crazy. But if you were here last week, we talked about this tension in between two realities that every believer on earth feels. Everyone who walks with God at some juncture or often feels the tension that we brought up last week. I will not give an exhaustive explanation of this. Go listen to last week's message to get caught up because this is the AP class. They're already ready. <laughs> but we, we describe this, this journeying. And coming back into a place of pseudo-normalcy, um, as we paralleled it with the children of Israel who went into the promised land and came out of Egypt. They went out of Egypt into a wilderness and then eventually into the land that God had for them, the promised land. The place, the Bible pictures it as a place of rest. Say, rest. It was a place of rest. And while we normally see this narrative through the lenses of our sin consciousness, and that is that God brings us out of the world, the world system, or out of sin represented by their exodus from Egypt through the water, the Red Sea, which represents baptism, 
on their way to the ultimate purpose of God, which was the promised land, Canaan. But in between, often, the promises of God and the wilderness, or, or the Egypt is the wilderness. There's a wilderness generally in between. Again, sin, baptism, being conformed into the image of Christ, shaped in preparation for what God ultimately has for you is the progression that we're used to. But what I suggested is that before there was ever sin, there was the original intent from, for, from or of God. Before there was ever sin, as first experienced in Adam and Eve, there was in creation what God worked into the rhythm of creation. And we're going to talk about this in the weeks to come. There should be a rhythm to your life. Not just on the dance floor, but I'm talking about the way you live. There should be a rhythm to it. There is an illusion of balance. For most of us who have tried to find balance in our life, you cannot find balance. That is, just doesn't work to try to find balance, to keep it all even, to balance it all. No, there are times where you go hard in the paint. You go all out. You exhaust your creativity. You exhaust your ingenuity. You exhaust your physical strength. But God wasn't about balance. The Bible is not a book of balance as much as it is a book about rhythm. Say rhythm. Rhythm, rhythm. The Bible says that God created six days, and on the seventh day, he rested. Now, please understand that that is the original intent of God. That was not simply for God to rest because God is tired. God does not get tired. Uh, you do know that, right? The same God. I'm, I, my God doesn't get sleepy. He doesn't take naps. He, he, he doesn't stress out and needs require some ambient to get a good night's sleep. God is omniscient. He is all-seeing, always. He is omnipresent, but he, 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 is, he, he doesn't require sleep. He does not, the Bible says, sleep or slumber. He's always on the job. So whenever we see God rested, it is to set up a pattern for life for us. Now, ultimately, we understand that the ultimate rest is salvation in Jesus Christ. We rest from our labors, our works in attempt to please God or to receive salvation. We rest in the finished work of Christ. We understand that that is the big picture. But the reality is throughout the fabric of our life should be this idea of rest. Rest. Before there was ever sin, there was this idea, this concept, the original intent of God, and that is that his people would find a rhythm of rest. You would, you would labor, but in the rhythm of your week, there should be a day of rest. In the rhythm of your month, there should be a time of rest. In the rhythm of your year, there should be some vacation time. Say amen now that COVID is coming to a close. <laughs> Quarantine is coming to a close. The original intent of God is rest. And this idea or this narrative from Egypt, they're coming out of Egypt into the promised land. What God is doing is not taking them only out of sin into salvation. He's taking them out of labor, Egypt, labor. The Bible says they built bricks once again with no straw. They built bricks with no straw. Pharaoh required more of them. They built and constructed things with bricks. Bricks, as I shared with you before, represent human effort. They represent human labor. There's nowhere in the Bible where God built something and it was with bricks. Everything that God builds that is sustainable is built with stone. Stone that was carved at the quarry. And before they even got to the temple, by the time they got to the temple, the stones were carved at the quarry. They all fit together. And when they came to where they were going, all the pieces seamlessly worked out. There's a message for our life that when God builds something, it comes together. You don't have to force it. You don't have to push yourself on anyone. If it's not where you're supposed to be, if it's not the individual you're supposed to be involved with, if it's not your tribe, it just does not work. You don't have to force it when it's God, but when it's God, things just begin to come together. Personalities begin to come together. Teams begin to come together. Now, there's always work to be done with any team or with any human relationship, but when it's God, you don't have to force it. You don't have to fix it. When it's God, things begin to come together. But here's the problem with Egypt. Egypt was a place where they built with bricks. Whatever you see bricks biblically, it is is what is constructed by the ingenuity of humans, absent of the divine grace of God. So when God says, I'm taking you out of Egypt, 
He's not just taking them out of sin to a place of salvation. He's taking them out of labor. What kind of labor? Because they actually fought and they actually worked in the promised land. If you read the narrative in Canaan, they still had to sow and reap. They still had to fight battles. But here's the difference. Why was one rest and why was one work? Because the labor was aided by the divine grace of God in their place of promise, where in Egypt, it was building with their own human ingenuity. Bricks are not natural stone created by God. Bricks are what are constructed by human effort. So here's our tension. We in this life are constantly forced. We're, we're, we're constantly tugged in one direction or the other. We're in a constant tension. If truth be told, we're not all in God's rest. Always. We, we are not with our feet up in God's rest. Believing God for the results. Believing God for the increase. Believing God for the open door. Believing God for the relationship. Or to sustain the relationship. Believing God for the kinds of friends we need around us. Where some of y'all forced it. You have brick friends. Yeah. You're worried about them talking about you before you get there and talking about you when you leave. So that's why you're the first one there and the last one to leave. Because you know as soon as you leave, they're going to be like, girl. Oh, man, did you see him? But when you do it in rest, when relationships are forged in rest, when friendships are forged in rest, when the purpose, when I find purpose and my life's activity is from a place of rest or God's grace or trusting in him, relying in him, in God's sufficiency, then listen to me. I don't only, I'm not resting physically. I'm engaged in activity. But the posture of my heart, my spirit is at rest. There is a peace that persists. If God builds it, I don't have to worry about keeping it together. But anything I hustle for, anything I manipulate for, anything I, listen, I undercut someone for, I'm, con I'm constantly concerned about holding it together. What does this do to us over time? It, it fatigues us. It wears us down. There's some of you in this place. Can I just get prophetic for a moment? It's not even prophetic. It's just, it's just observed. There's some of you in this place that can get eight to nine hours of sleep at night and you're still waking up on a regular basis worn out and depleted because that is not a rest needed for your physical body. There is a labor of your soul that is wearing you down, laboring to please God in your faith, not working from a place that you're already accepted by God. Now I go to do good works. So I'm worn down in my faith. There are people that have not stepped foot back into church, not because they're worried about germs, but because they're worried about performance. And COVID has given them long enough to get off of the treadmill, look at it and say, you know what, I ain't getting back on that thing. It's not because they don't love God or they don't love you. It's that they've been working. Their faith has been one of constant labor. And labor will wear you out. I don't have time to work this. I haven't gotten to my message yet, but we got to go. Uh, if next week, don't miss uh, next week and the week after next. I'm going to come back and I'm going to talk about what God calls us to. His yoke. He says, my, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. What I require of you, listen to me, don't allow anybody to add to what I require of you. Find out what I require of you. Live that out. Because what I require of you, I will grace you to do. Anything you take on yourself that someone else imposed on you, I will not grace you to do it. And it becomes heavy over time. Even things that you mean well with will begin to wear you down. There's someone in this place today that's worn down. And the reason that you're worn down is, you, is because you're laboring in a place of work and not from a place of rest. I want you to fight. That's, that's almost like a just oxymoron. I mean, okay, I want you to fall. That's better. Doesn't it feel better? I haven't changed our, we haven't changed our language in church. It's like we fight for everything. Fight for your peace. Fight for your joy. Fight 
for your smile. I'm like, like I'm, that's killing me. I'm tired of fighting. All my life I had to fight. <laughs> I'm like, yo, like, sometimes we do. There's a place to fight. But see, it's in my language. I'm like, I'm so church. I'm like, like you know, like, fight for your rest. Like, <laughs> is this, is, okay, not just, maybe it's just me. No, no, let's try this. Let's do language. Fall into your rest. Is that better? Now, don't, don't, you can say fight. Okay, all right, there's sometimes we do have to fight. We have to do warfare. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. All right, sometimes it's cool to say fight. We have to fight for everything, my God. Fall into your rest. There's tension between both of these realities. There's constant tension, whether you see it or not, between your bricks and this chair representing rest. The fight to remain in a place or the, to, to fall into a place of rest. Now, back to this passage. We find here Jesus coming out of the baptism. And as he's baptized, he comes out of the water and uh, the heavens open. God looks at him and says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. People receive him. He goes from there. And the Bible says, led by the Spirit. Say Spirit. Led by the Spirit of God. It's the Spirit of God that leads Jesus into a wilderness. Not the devil, the Spirit of God. God, I wish I had time to work this, but I don't. We'll move on. Leads Jesus into the wilderness. There are some wildernesses that are induced by God. Stop rebuking the devil. There are some places, there are some wildernesses that are induced by God because wildernesses are a place of preparation for where God is ultimately taking you. Wildernesses are also where, follow me, where upgrades are brokered. All right, let me try this side. Let's sleep over here. It's early. Wildernesses are not always induced by the enemy, but sometimes wildernesses are induced by God. And wildernesses are places where often promotion or demotion is assessed. Let me try the middle. They're still rocking with me. Um, I'm not going to repeat that whole thing because I'm tired. I need some rest. Are you with me? But here's my point. My point is we find the children of Israel walking around in the wilderness endlessly because they did not get the lesson. They walked in circles for 40 years for what should have been an 11-day journey because they didn't get something. If you don't get the lesson of the wilderness, you repeat the wilderness. You repeat the class you didn't get. Yeah, it, it, this is not... God's system is not the public school system. Like, nothing wrong with it. But you don't move forward no matter what. You can be 18 in a first grade chair. With a beard. No, no, you, you don't just pass. But you're forced to go through the wilderness again to learn the lesson that you did not learn. Until you get the lesson, then upgrade comes once the lesson of the wilderness is learned. Here we find Jesus 40 days in the wilderness. Hmm. Oh, but he gets through this with flying colors. He is an AP student, gets through this wilderness with flying colors, and something happens once he comes out of the wilderness. Before we get to what happens after he comes out of the wilderness, I want to see this from the lenses not only of temptation. Again, we have, because of our sin consciousness, there is a narrative, and that is an accurate narrative. No problem with that. But do you know there are multiple layers of revelation, multiple layers of insight and lessons from the word of God. And we are skewed, we skew toward this idea of seeing even this temptation as a temptation of sin. So the first things that we pull out, which are accurate, but it's deeper than this, are the lust of the flesh. Number one, he says, turn these stones to bread. There are only three categories of, of sin. Only three categories of temptation. Only three categories that will get you out off track in this life. One is the lust of the flesh. I just want to feel good. Oh, yeah, don't assume that I'm just talking about that one thing that you always talk about. We're talking about lust of flesh in the church. No, I'm talking, I mean, sometimes it's just, man, that I just need another um, butter pound cake. I just need <laughs> one more slice. Yes, yes. Just one more bite. Like, you know, sometimes 
It, it, the, 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 the sensual side of us where, where, where we live in a sensual world and it's beautiful. God has a beautiful, he lets us partake in all those things. But the temptation of the Lord's enemy is to pull us out of that place. To, to cause us to want to feel good. So there's the lust of the flesh. Then there's the lust of the eyes. And we've done this from the, the sin vantage point. Lust of the eyes is seeing or coveting what is there. Lust of the eyes. What I see luring me out, requiring uh, more, or what someone else has lures me out of position. But then there's the pride of life. He takes him to the top of the temple, the pinnacle of the temple, and says, jump down. He'll command his angels concerning you. They will bear you up in their arms so you will not dash your foot against a stone. You jump down. He'll catch you. Make this about you and not about God's purposes. Get God to do a cute little trick uh, to catch you. Make this about you and not about God. Those are the three temptations we face in this world. When we see that from the lenses of sin consciousness, that is an accurate assessment. But there is a deeper layer. Let's see this through the lenses of rest. Can you do that? And I'll let you go home to brunch. Every temptation in life is to get you, not just about those things, and you'll see it here, is to get you out of God's rest or rhythm. To get you out of that chair. What is that chair? Jesus said, I only do what I see my father do in heaven. What he requires is what I do. What he requires is what I carry out. I'm not adding anything or taking anything away from that. I am following the marching orders of my father who is in heaven. And all of my actions, even though you see me active on a regular basis, you see me producing on a regular basis, you see me ministering on a regular basis, it is all coming from that place. That is the engine that drove Jesus' behavioral patterns. That is why you saw him physically resting but never depleted in his purpose. Because everything he did was from the chair. Say the chair. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, is, it is rest is, uh, and the temptation is to get you out of the rest or the rhythm of God and into striving. Yeah. And human effort. Outside of the will of God. Misalignment. So I want you to see this not as just the enemy trying to get you. Have you ever thought about that? The enemy trying to get you to fall. He's trying to get me caught up. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, yeah. You know, I'm trying to be holy. He's trying to get me caught up and compromised. Yeah, that's part of it. But the deeper, the substratum is that he's trying to change the rhythm, the pattern of your life, to get your life misaligned, to get you out of a place of rest and rhythm of God and into your own human efforts in striving independent of the will of God. This is the lesson in the wilderness. The, that, that's why... In the wilderness, he taught them manna comes from heaven and falls. If you try to store up for tomorrow, so you have to trust God on a daily basis to renew your manna. If you try to store it up, it will turn to nothing. Are you with me? He was trying to get them to see that I am at work with you and I am journeying along with you. This is not left to you, your own ability. It's not left to your own efforts. It's not left to your own striving outside of my will. But I am walking with you. I'm journeying, journeying with you. So while you're actively engaged in activity, you do it from a place of dependency. You do it from a place of rest. You do it knowing that you have a heavenly father that cares about you, about your needs, about every tear you cry, about every hair on your head. You do it from a place of rest. Every temptation we'll face, including in this, this passage you see from Jesus, is to get him out of the rhythm of God into striving in misalignment, a life of human efforts absent of God's grace. Temptation in the wilderness wasn't just lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. But if you look deeper, you'll discover it was to pull Jesus from a posture of resting in God's, listen, follow me, write this down, direction, timing, sufficiency, which means God's supply. No matter what I'm doing, I know that God is my supplier. I think I saw a shirt a while ago, I liked it. That God's my plug. All the hustlers are like, I got you. <laughs> and out of his, here we go, sovereignty. So it, 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 is, it is God is ultimately in control and in charge. The buck stops with him no matter what it looks like in our lives. 
And when we begin to move into striving, when we start brick building, we don't see it. I know it's subtle. We feel like we got to take our life in our own hands. When we start brick building, when we, when, we, when we get away from the will of God to start brick building, we don't see it. But what we're doing is slowly but surely omitting God from our story, using God's name in worship, but living as if everything depends on us and there is no divine favor from the Lord. This is what the writer meant when he says they have, follow me, a form of godliness but they deny the power thereof. They, they go through the motions. They have an expression of godliness, but they don't believe that God is the one sustaining, that God is the one supplying, that God is the one making a way or partnering with their human efforts to cause his grace, his supernatural endowment of exactly what we need to get through where we are to rest on our work. Oh, let, me, let, me get to, let me get to the, 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 the good stuff. So, so the temptation is to move us from the chair to call a, cause us to move back into brick building, into an attempt to move into, here it is, personal agenda, striving, uninspired activity. It's the, it's the same temptation Jesus had. As, as, as he was in God's purpose, rested in God's purpose, the solicitation of the enemy was not just to get him to fall, to sin, to compromise, follow me. It was to get him to move out of the rhythm of God, to take matters into his own hands and begin to labor. Now, can I break these down real quick and then we'll go home. Here it is, number one. First one he says is, turn these stones to bread. Can I tell you what will get you out of God's positioning? What will mess you up and cause you to, to, to lose your rhythm, your, your, your synchronicity with God? Number one, he says, turn these stones to bread. Yes, that was the lust of the flesh, but here's what he's doing also. Look at what undergirds it. It is, he's trying to get him to perform an act that's not required by God or in line with his purpose to prove something. I'll be trying to slide over here. He is trying to get him, watch this, turn these stones into bread. But before he gets there, he says, if you really are the son of God, I want you to turn these stones to bread. Turn these stones to bread is to get him to perform an act not required by God. If I, if I had time, ooh, if this wasn't early service, I would talk about how much we're engaged in that is not required by God, but we expect of ourselves or we allow others to demand of us. Y'all better start checking the deed real quick. Because I'll check the deed on you in a minute. Are you with me? If I start feeling pressured, if I start feeling cornered, if I start feeling that there's a bunch, there are a bunch of requirements, particularly in the area of my spiritual life, that you're putting on me, that you're imposing on me, that God did not, does not desire for me or did not design me to carry, I start pushing back. Because listen, I read the deed. Are you with me? I know what's in the book. You're not going to, listen, you're not going to bamboozle me. I, I, I know the bondage people lived in because they were pressured by the religious community or pressured by their custom or pressured by the laws added to what God never stated. Are you still here with me? And I know that the faith has changed, but we still play according to the same rules. There's a whole lot of stuff we demand as a religious community or we impose on one another that God never intended and can be found nowhere in his word. Not me. I wish... I wish a saint would. I wish a saint would. Let me, let me, I digress. <laughs> Don't turn these stones to bread. Here it is. Perform an act not required by God or in line with your purpose to prove something. Isn't that what we fight constantly? Isn't that what gets us out of the chair? Let, 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 me, let me do something. God doesn't require this. God hasn't asked me to do this. This is not expected by God. Sometimes this contradicts what God is telling me. But listen to me. Because of the external pressure, I find myself again building bricks. I find myself again performing. I find myself laboring for what God doesn't require because of the external pressure. Because not only is there external pressure, sometimes there is internal pressure. 
the supposed to do's. The stuff I need to be doing or ought to be doing. I love when one of my wife's professors says, he says, now don't, 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 don't put me out of the church. Uh, I just told you, all right, don't throw stuff on me that God didn't throw on me. This is borderline, though. It's like right on the line. But after, I mean, after quarantine, I don't care. It's like, I don't care. What are you going to do? To me, not come for a year? Like, like, he says, you need to stop shooting on yourself. Dang, the saints went quiet. They're like, amen to freedom. Like, <laughs> I don't like that, though. Uh-uh. It's a true statement. In, in, in the effect is not to um, somehow be inappropriate, but the effect is kind of like a demonic device that calls you to remember it. When you find yourself getting into what you should be doing and what you need to do more of and what you need to get to. You know, I, you remember this. You wouldn't remember if I said it any other way, but you remember it now that I said it this way. Stop shooting on yourself. Thank you, Janice. I appreciate it. Janice will rock with me all the way so the wheels fall off. I love it. Janice, like, I was waiting for you to get free. Thank you. Welcome. <laughs> let, let me go. She said, you should be free. No, no pun intended. <laughs> no. I love it. <laughs> Any recovering shooters in the house? <laughs> I raised both hands. All right, let me move on because I'm affecting the religious. Um, all right, what were we talking about? <laughs> Should. Now, where does this come from? It often comes, follow me, write this down, from an issue of broken identity. Right? So, so I move out of rest into performance, generally speaking, because somewhere along the lines, I stop believing about myself what God says about me. Whew, I'm going to work the service. He was baptized at, in the Jordan. The heavens opened. God said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. He gets to this temptation. The first temptation of the enemy is turn these stones into bread. But before he gets there, he says, if you're really the son of God, turn these stones into bread. Follow me. Jesus knew exactly who he was. His identity was intact. He's like, oh, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. You don't make, the devil basically was saying, Jesus, I want you to do this. If you really get the son of God, I want you to stunt. There's all kinds of ways we stunt. Yeah, stunting's not just a rapper with a big chain in a, in a, in a Bugatti, woke up in a new, no, it's not just a, a Bugatti. It's not, it's not, that's not just stunning. Oh, we stunt all the time. Saints stunt. I mean, we stunting, I've stunted a couple times in prayer meeting. Like sometimes the spirit moves and it's a tongue, a real authentic tongue comes out. But sometimes it's like, no, nah, we need to get the party going and look real spiritual. You know. It was like, that's a stunt. Like, listen, whether you're a rapper or whether you're a saint, we're all stunting. The homies are out there stunting, you know. It's like you didn't even want to go. I have to show them, like, you know, hey, what y'all say? You know, it's like stunting in the workplace. I go on and on and on and on and on. But all of our stunting, all of our performance, all of the extraness, all the brick building, all that is constructed by the, the, the ingenuity of our humanity, all that comes from a place of broken identity. Jesus didn't get up from his seat or his place of rest into performance because the devil tested him. Well, if you really are, if God really does love you, then turn these stones to bread. Come build bricks. He, he, he didn't move. He wasn't moved by that. He says, listen to me. Man does not live on bread alone. Give him a scripture right back. He said, listen, I'm not falling for that. Here it is. Here, here it is. I, I, I'm not stunting. I'm not falling for that. I'm not moving out of my place of rest into a place of performance. Now, most of us, the challenge is the reason why we fall for this, we're all in attention. The reason why we end up over here making stuff happen, trying to make stuff happen that God didn't ordain is because we don't have a fortified identity. 
So this becomes, this makeshift stuff over here becomes a form of our identity. How much money we make. Like God's not moving fast enough. Let me make some more money and show them who I really am or show them I have worth. So we put our money on display before people. Stunting. Brick building. Striving. Some of us, it's our, it's our Instagram likes and followers. I know it's not a bad thing. I'm not demonizing it, but I'm telling you, any form, everything could be, let me show them. Let me show who I am. Listen, it's not moving fast enough. My influence is not growing enough. Listen, I'm just going to buy 20,000. Brick builders. I mean, we, we know. <laughs> Never mind. We've all been there. I, I, had to get, I, had, I had to go back to the chair. I had to get back over the chair. Because, you know, you buy likes. <laughs> and 90% and of your followers are people of color. <laughs> but all of your likes are from people from Russia. We know. We know already. We know. Sometimes God will humble you. Got me back to the chair. I'm like, you know what? I'm not buying nothing else. I'm get and I will never get out of this chair again. Y'all know. <laughs> let, me get, let me get back to my message. I'm having too much fun. That's what happens. You lock me away for a year. But when my identity, listen to me, is solidified in God. At your core, you're not what you do at your core. Don't give me your occupation. At your core, uh, don't tell me how much money you have in the bank. At your core, you know who you are, and that's what everything else should be birthed out of. Rest in the fact that you are a son and a daughter of the living God. Listen to me. That is what puts me back in the chair. When I know my identity is there and there's nothing I can do to make him love me anymore, nothing I can do to make him love me any less, I am a son, I am a daughter of God. It solidifies, listen, my place of rest, my identity. And from a solid identity, now I can go and minister. Now I can go and live. Now I can go and build. Now I can go lay hands on the sick. Now I can go build a company. Now I can go and wait for God to open up doors. I watch God through as we co-labor together, open up doors in industry. I can watch God do it all, but I do it from a posture of rest and not from striving. Number one, turn these stones to bread. Don't fall for that. Number two, don't get out of the chair by what your eyes see. He said, I want you to see all the kingdoms of the world. If you bow down to me, you compromise real quick. You don't have, it doesn't be long. Just do it real quick like this. Mm. That's it. You don't have to sit down there long. Jesus, just bow that knee to me real quick, and I'll give you all that you can see. All the world and its splendor, I'll give it to you. All that your eyes can see, I'll give it to you if you just bow down. Now, this is a challenge. Move by what my eyes see. Here's the idea. It is a temptation. Something looks better than my life. Lot. Something looks better than my life. And I don't think, and please hear me, I'm not beating up on social media. I think it's a great tool. Thank God for modern technology when we're in a global pandemic. And uh, it's been a blessing to so many. But please hear me. I don't think there's ever been a time in human history where we have to remember this reality. Because constantly before our eyes are the highlight reels of everyone else's life. Not just their day, not just their week, but the highlight reel of their year. Some people wait until like the biggest, baddest trip, the most expensive meal, the most, uh, uh, the highest end bottle of wine, the flyest, you know, Gucci shoes. I mean, like, hear me, they wait for that. And you were looking like, man, it's just going down out there everywhere. But that was their one post for the three months. But you're seeing everybody's one post, back to back, you're being conditioned. Your eyes are looking and saying, uh-uh, it's, uh-uh, God, you're moving too slow. Mm-mm. Everybody got a business. Well, you didn't see the business. You saw the photo <laughs> and the write-up on it. You didn't see gross receipts, did you? Did you see take home? Like, no, you saw, you saw a photo. A real bomb photo styled in front of someone else's building. 
Well, everybody's a CEO, everybody, but me, why? God, why? <laughs> and here's the temptation. What happens when, you, when you're sitting over in God's rest, sitting over in God's purposes, walking with God, being matured, growing in the wilderness so that God, so that you'll be prepared and mature enough to handle the blessing when it comes into your life? What happens when God is working on you, when God is crockpotting you, when God is preparing your voice for the people that you reach, not just for the next week, but for the rest of your life, not just for Instagram posts, but for, until the day that you close your eyes? What if God is working on your global purpose and his global plans for you and cosmic stuff that you don't even know about yet in your place of rest here's what happens and here's how we short circuit the plan of God and end up in the wilderness another year because the enemy says look look what they're doing I'll give it to you look 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 you're behind man I, I, if you just compromise What's compromise? Not steal it. Not go rob it from them. Not be envious of them. That's not always the compromise. Sometimes the, 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 the deeper compromise is to say, you know what? God, uh, uh, you're taking too long. <laughs> when is it going to happen for me? When are you going to give me a global ministry? When are you going to open up a door? When are you going to send a spouse? When? So <laughs> the kid said, the kid said, uh-uh. <laughs> he been listening to mom like, uh-huh, like, mom, he talking about you. <laughs> I'm done. Benediction. I, I'm through. <laughs> kid was like, uh-uh. When? God, when will I be financially secure? God, God, when? When will I be able to build in a place of peace? God, God, when? You're looking at everything around you, and now you've put a time clock on God. And when God does not move fast enough, what we do, and here is the temptation of the enemy, not just to get you to compromise. Nobody's bowing down to worship Satan to get some stuff in here. But here, here's, here's what is almost as devastating. Coming out of God's will to go and try ahead of time, ahead of time, ahead of time, ahead of time. The righteous is like a tree planted by the river of the living water. Who bears fruit in season. There's something, God, I wish I had time. I would close this out if I could, but it's something about bearing fruit in season. Not ahead of God, not behind God, but here's the rhythm. Watch the rhythm of the ark. As they were going into the promised land, the place of rest, the last test of God was to see if they can move in his rhythm. He said, the ark is going to go out ahead of you. Don't get in front of it. Don't lag too far behind it. Give enough room. You know what room is? Room is giving God room to work out the stuff he promised you. While you're working with God, you still have to get up and move. You still have to move your feet. But room is not crowding the ark, getting around the ark, saying, God, when's it going to happen? God, how's it going to happen? God, you're going too slow. Because if the people crowded the ark, it obscured the ark. If the people crowded around the ark, they could no longer see which way to go, which is a lesson. In order to see which way to go in my spiritual journey, sometimes I need to give God room and time to work things out that I'm trying to work out myself. And the temptation is to get up from your place of rest to go into human striving and building of bricks in order to make it happen because God is going too slow. But I'm here to declare to somebody, stay where you are, stay in your place of rest. People will rise and fall. Hot shots will go to the top. Other people will do things that you want to do right now, but it's not your time yet. You will bear fruit in season. Like the old folks said, he may not come when you want him, but he is always on time. And he's always on time. 
He doesn't have a timing issue. I have the timing issue. I've got to learn to walk in step with him because everything he's put in my heart will take place. It will come to pass. It will happen. But sometimes I just need to create room. Yeah. Yeah, God, you do know that Jesus got all the kingdoms of the world anyway, but he had to go to Gethsemane. He had to go to the cross. He had to go from the cross to the grave, but the grave could not hold him because whenever you're in God's purpose, no matter what comes against you, he will raise you up again. After he went through hell, his own wilderness, his own challenge, his own difficulty, it was a blessing not only for him, it was a blessing for everyone connected to him. So though God's role was was longer and different, it was uncompromised. Are you still here with me? Though God's road was longer, he still got everything that the devil was promising him by taking a shortcut because I heard the word of God say that he got up. God, I feel this. I feel Baptist right now. He got up not with some power, not with a little bit of power, not with some of the world and not all the world, but he got up, where my Baptist folks, with all... All right, all right, it's out of my system. I'm sorry. Sit down. Sit down. Y'all go. You're making, you're making me act up in front of my dignified people. Ah! God, I feel like preaching this, but it's 9 o'clock. Let's, let me just close this out. All right, that's my roots coming out. I'm sorry, y'all. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When it gets good to you, it gets good to you in a suit. It can get good to you in a three-piece suit. It get good to you with dress shoes. It can get good to you in a sweatsuit. When it's in you, it's in you. Look at somebody. Tell them this is... All right, all right, all right, all right. All right, we got to go, for real. What time is it? I don't know what time is it. Oh, yeah, no. Hmm. Let me close this out. Let me, let me talk this out and rest. Posture rest. How, in the midst of everything I see and everything I desire, and God taking too long, how do, how do I stay in this place? Jesus gives us the words. He says, He says, You number one, know you have a heavenly father. Yeah, see, your identity does not only tell you who you are and how well you're loved, but with identity with God as my father, it also speaks of his provision. It also speaks of his sufficiency. It also speaks of his supply. He says, listen, don't run around here like you don't have a heavenly father. He says, you have a heavenly father. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to drink. You have a heavenly father. Identity attaches to resource. He says, don't. Don't go seeking after all these things like the pagans of the world. What do you mean? Don't you run around like a chicken with your head cut off because you feel like God's taking too long. Get up from your place of rest, dependency, and trust in God, your place of faith, and start building bricks. Start striving, compromising, getting outside of God's time, getting outside of God's purpose, compromising your morals, and compromising your integrity to build something because God's taking too long. He said, know that you have a heavenly father who knows. Ooh, can I just stay right there real quick? You have a heavenly father who knows. You, you have a heavenly father who knows. Somebody needs to know you have a heavenly father. Not just a heavenly father. Not a You have a heavenly father. Listen to me. Because it connects two things. You have a heavenly father, which is number one, that you have somebody looking out for you. You have someone journeying with you. So you have someone walking with you. You have someone talking to you. You have someone telling you that you are their own. You have a heavenly father. It's one thing to have a heavenly father, but it's another thing to have a heavenly father. Watch how he endears himself to us. You have a heavenly father who knows. He knows. He knows. He knows. He knows. He knows, man. He knows. He, he knows. He knows. He knows every tear you cry. He, he knows every stress you have. He knows everything keeping you up at night. He knows. You have a heavenly father, but you have a heavenly father who knows. He, he knows what's causing your heart to ache. He, he knows the mistakes that you're playing over and over again in your mind and disqualifying your, uh, yourself for. You're trying to perform. And he said, no, rest in the fact that I love you. I'm your heavenly father and I know. No. He said, don't you go running. Don't you go building. Don't you go constructing the stuff by yourself. He said, I have a heavenly father who knows. So here's what you're able to do. He doesn't say, 
that it won't happen. He just reorders how it happens. He says, when you do it in rest, because the Heavenly Father knows, he says, it's still going to happen. Oh, I'm going to open up doors. I'm going to make a way. I'm going to get provision. I'm going to cause the dreams in your heart to be realized. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. But, but here's how we're going to do it. Seek first. The kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all this stuff, all these things, all these dreams, you're not getting behind. You're, you're seeking first. I have to remind some people, I'm not getting behind. I, I know how to hustle. I know how to make it happen. I know how to move into striving. But I'm not doing that. I'm, I'm resting in the fact that I have a heavenly Father who knows exactly what I need, who knows what he's called me to. I'm staying in purpose. I'm staying in his will. I'm staying in his plan. I'm staying in his rest. I have a heavenly Father who knows. And it's a matter of time before he's going to give it to me anyway. I'm not going to compromise to get it. I'm not going to sell my birthright to get it. I'm not going to get ahead of God to get it because when it's my time, he has everything that I stand in need of. Seek first. Seek first. Seek first. The kingdom of God. Rest in that. Rest in that. Yeah, rest in that. Rest. Rest. Rest in that. Rest. Rest. I don't know I'm talking to rest in that. Stay right there. Don't move. Don't look to your left. Don't look to your right. Don't look at what they have. Don't look at what you don't have. But stay in there. Rest in the fact. The one who gave you the vision can bring the vision to pass. The one that gave you the sense of greatness can move you into it. The one that told you doors are going to open will open up doors for you. And once he opens up doors for you, you don't have to hustle to keep them open. Once he opens up doors for you, you get good sleep at night. Not only do you get spiritual rest, but you get physical rest. I'm not tossing and turning because here's where I am. I'm resting. What's resting? What's resting? Resting is when you only want what God adds. God, I feel. We go home right there. God sent me to declare to somebody, it's time to rest. What do I mean? It's where I only want, I only have an appetite for what God adds. And when God can find someone who will rest, when he can find someone who will trust, when he can find someone who will make them, him their source, can I tell you this? That he upgrades you. If you navigate the wilderness well, you don't have to go back through that lesson again. But you come out of the wilderness different than you went into the wilderness. Let's go. You come out of the wilderness different than you went into the wilderness. The Bible declares that Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. But if you skip down, it said that he came out of the wilderness in the power of the Holy Spirit. And just in case you get this twisted and think that God just gives spiritual power, it says no, he gave him spiritual power which affected his reputational power. He came out of the wilderness in the power of the Spirit and news about him begin to spread everywhere. God has no problem with blowing you up. God has no problem with making your name great. So get over your false humility. He told Joshua, Joshua, when you come through this, I'm gonna make your name great. Jesus, you came through this wilderness, right? I'm gonna make the news about you spread to people that have not even met you. And I declare, as I close, that God is getting ready for somebody in this place who can wait on him, who can rest, who can stay in his purpose, who can walk in his rhythm. He's getting ready to make your name known by people who have not even met you yet. So Father, we thank you for your peace. We thank you for your provision. But most of all, we thank you for your rest. It calls us to rest in you. It calls us to walk with you. It calls us to know you. I pray that you keep us from temptation. 
Temptation to build our own thing. Temptation to strive. Temptation to function in human effort, absent of divine enablement. I pray now, God, that you move us from the bricks to the chair. I pray now, God, in the spirit, that you move us from labor to favor. I speak favor in this house. I speak favor over everybody waiting on you. I speak favor over everyone wondering how it's going to work, but determined they're going to do it your way. I speak favor now. Open doors of access, elevation, expansion of territory for everyone in this house who rests in you. And we'll be careful, careful to give your name all the glory, all of the honor, and all of the praise. It is in Jesus' name, all those who agree, let me hear you shout amen. Amen, amen. amen.